questions, and I'm. Or if you want to, we can read it together. Read it together. All right, I'm going to read it. it. Says if you were in Darlington with your car at 2:30 p.m. and your boss instructed you to be in Florence by 3:30 p.m. You have gas, you're in good health, your car's running perfectly, and there are no accidents and heavy traffic in between Darlington and Florence. You wind up arriving at 4 p.m. What time were you asked to be there at what? 3.30. You, you were asked that at what? 2.30. Would it be appropriate for your boss to give you a consequence of docking your pay, writing you up, or firing you? How many would say yes, it would be appropriate? All right? Why? Somebody just shout it out. Why would that be appropriate? Because you were late? You were wrong? You didn't get there on time? You had ample time to get there. You were given clear instructions. There was really no what? Excuse, okay? Now, so, so we got that. What if you were told to walk? Would that consequence still be appropriate? If you had to walk from Don to Florence? No. Why? It takes much longer to walk. You don't have enough time. All right, we, we would all agree, right? All right, let's look at the second scenario. If you were given a backhoe, how many know what a backhoe is? If, if you're from the country and you're a man, you know what that is. It's one of those, you dig out those machines that look like they got the long claw that turns inward towards the, the machine that you see people on the side of the road, they're working and they're digging big holes. Y'all know that backhoe, right? So everybody know what that is? Want to make sure. If you were given a backhoe and, and trained on how to properly use it, then given the responsibility of digging a 15-foot hole in a day, you would have 24 hours to do it, would it be appropriate to incur some level of consequence or punishment for not meeting that expectation? How many say it would be appropriate? Right? Why? Because you were trained and you got what you need to get it done. How many say it wouldn't be appropriate? I was just going to wonder, and I was going to ask you why. And I'm just I'm trying to figure out your reasoning. You know, I'm trying to see where you're at. All right, now, what if you were given a shovel and told to dig a 15-foot hole in a day? Would that be appropriate to get consequences if you couldn't do it? No, right, because you don't have the same means. In other words, what was the point that I was trying to make in both of those instances? The reason why it would be reasonable to get a consequence from going from Darlington to Florence and getting an hour to do so is because you have access to being in a car. And in that car, you have the ability to cover that distance with enough time to spare, right? The reason why I gave the instance of the backhoe because digging a 15-foot hole isn't easy, but in a backhoe, if you have that piece of machinery, right, it is appropriate for you to be able to accomplish what you couldn't accomplish if you weren't in that backhoe. 
Why am I bringing those things up? Why did I want to point those things out? Because ultimately, I want to deal with understanding the prophetic position called in him course number or class number two and understanding the accountability and the responsibility of being in Christ. Understanding the accountability and responsibility of being in Christ. Look, if you're in a car, you're expected to be able to do things you couldn't do if you weren't in a car. If you're in a backhoe, you're expected to do things that you couldn't do if you weren't in a backhoe. Well, guess what? If you're in Christ, you're expected to be able to do things you couldn't do, come on, if you were not what? That's the point I want to make right there. And if you're in him and don't do it, would it be appropriate to get consequences? Yes. Why? Because you had what you needed to do what you needed to do. This is where I want to go with this tonight. Everybody following me? All right. All right. So, so now let's go to our foundational text. Uh, again, what's our foundational text? Acts 17 and 28. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his what? Offspring. We are also his offspring. If we could get individuals, when we're in institute, I know there's some people moving around doing business. Let's make sure we, I want these doors to be closed and I want traffic to be at minimum. When, once we get in class, so please let individuals know I need people once, once we get things moving outside of the people that need to be out, we need to have everybody in. I want everybody to be able to make sure uh, we're on the same page. All right. So why did I say that? Why did I say that? Why did I point that out from the beginning? Because there's a different expectation that comes upon you based off of what you're in. Not necessarily just what you're capable of on your own, but expect expectations of what you can do and what you're supposed to do change based off of what you're in, right? And so now I want to start with this. What we're in alters what we're capable of. What we're in is actually designed. I want you to add that in. What we're in is actually designed to alter what we're capable of. We get into certain things because those certain things give us access to be capable of doing what we couldn't do if we weren't in them. Amen? So being in something changes or increases an expectation of our, it increases our responsibility. Getting in something makes us, takes our responsibility an expectation to another level. So, say for instance, outside of a car, I can't expect you to go more than five miles per hour, right? You know, I can't expect you to, I can't expect you to be able to go 15 and 20 miles an hour on foot. But inside a car, I can give a higher expect, I can place a higher expectation on you. I can expect you to be able to go 70 miles per hour. Right? I, not, not, not outside of the car, but in the car, it alters what you're capable of, and I can expect something from you I did not expect if you weren't inside that car. Everybody following what I'm saying? Because 
This is what we got to understand when we're dealing with being in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. It's not just what we can do. It's about what we can do based off of who we're in. Being in Christ, everybody say in Christ, Christ. is not a mystical thing. It's not symbolic. It's not just a symbolic representation. It's like, it's not just us walking around mentally and saying, oh, we're in Christ. It's not something mystical we just verbalize as part of our Christian religion. This is what we got to understand about being in him. Being in him functions to enable us to do what we couldn't do if we were not in who we were in. And I said that, but I just said it another way. Amen. There's certain things that we could not do in him that we're expected to do in him. Being able to live free of sin. We cannot do that outside of him, but we're expected to do it in him. You know, you know, um, getting victory over the devil. We, we cannot do it outside of him, but we're actually expected to do it in him. Walking in victory. We cannot do that outside of him, but we're expected. See, uh, pe- people actually think peace is for you got to learn how to have peace, but God actually expects us to have peace in him. He expects us to walk in righteousness. Where? In him. It's not as if he's cheering us on, hoping we get it. He's looking at us saying, why you ain't walking in it yet? What you're in causes me to, to now elevate my expectation. Who you're in. I'm fighting with sin, and he's sitting there saying, why? If you're in who you say you're in. Amen? And so what we got to understand is being in him functions to enable us to do what we couldn't do if we were not in who we were in. It is not just something we say. It is not just a religious cliche. It is an empowerment. Um, It is a position of empowerment from which Yahweh places higher expectation upon us. In him places a higher expectation upon us. We must understand that as believers, as believers who are in Christ, somebody say, I am in Christ. Guess what? We are not like everybody else trying our best to do what's right. That's not true. I'm going to say that again. As a believer in Christ, we are not just like everybody else trying our best to do what is right and falling short just like everybody else. That is not true. Not in Christ. Amen. Just as much. That's not as true. Just as much as if I'm in a car, I'm not just like somebody who's walking. I cannot be in a car and then look at somebody on the sidewalk walking and say I'm just like them in regards to travel. Me and them are not just alike in regards to travel. I can get across town in my car. I should not be getting across town at the same time as somebody who's not in a car. Me and them are not just alike. Being in that car distinguishes me. And being in Christ is supposed to distinguish us. Somebody say, I'm not just like everybody else. There's a greater expectation on me in a car. Don't don't sit up there and tell me it's going to take you 30 minutes to get to East Florence from here. That's a problem if you're in a car. It shouldn't take you no what? Look, I'm sitting there looking at you like, man, it's going to take me 30 minutes. 
But that's what we do with bondage and sin. It's going to take me a while. Nobody changes overnight. But you're in. Why is it going to take you so long? The expectation has changed because the empowerment you've been given through being in him that we don't understand that we have. So in Christ, Yahweh places a higher expectation upon us mentally. He places a higher expectation on us psychologically. He places a higher expectation on us emotionally. And he places a higher expectation on us walking in personal victory. We should not be walking around with the same mental struggles as somebody who's not in in Christ. We should not be walking around with the same psychological struggles, with the same anger issues. None of those things. Me being in him puts me on a different plane. Amen? And if I'm just like everybody else mentally, and if I'm just like everybody else psychologically, please hear me. And if I'm just like everybody else spiritually and emotionally, I must question how much I'm really in him. I got to question that just as much as I would have a question of an individual who says they can't fly but claims they're in a plane. What you mean you can't fly? You're in a plane. How can how are you going to say you're in a plane but then tell me you can't fly? Unless you're not really in the, otherwise there's no doubt you can fly. And your ability to fly isn't based on your strength. Your ability to fly isn't based on your, 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 your capability. It's based on what you're in. Amen? You can't be struggling to fly. If you're in a plane, you can go to sleep. You can read a book. You can watch the TV in front on the back of the seat. Why? Because flying is easy when you're in a plane. Glory be to God. So so this is what we got to understand. This is what we must know. To be in Christ is to be empowered to what? To live in liberty. To live in liberty and not fight to live. To be in Christ is to be empowered to live in liberty, not fight to live. I came that you what? Might have life. I came that you might have. You know how many people say I'm fighting for my life. I'm fighting not to die. I'm fighting to live. I'm fighting to just make it day by day. We only fight to the degree we're not in him. In him is life. And I'm going to deal with it. The scripture says it. We don't, we don't fight to live, amen? We live in liberty because liberty is a location, amen? Freedom and life is based off of where I am, not what I do, not first, amen? He came that we might have life, but what? That life is where? In his, where's life at? In his son, in Jesus, We can only live without fighting to live to the degree we're living in him. So living is a matter of getting in the right place. Life is a matter of getting in the right place, not solving all my problems. A lot of people believe once I solve all of my problems, I can live. 
Once I get to a certain financial status, I can live. Once I get this bill behind me, I can live. Once I get over this issue, I can live. The problem is life isn't solving problems. Life is in a person. It's a location. I can live before the bill is paid. I Glory be to God. I can live before the issue is resolved. I can live through the process of that before I get to the position. And if I'm not, then, then, then life ceases to be in here. And it actually begins to cause me to question where I am. I got to question where I am if I can't live in this situation. Because in him we move and have our being. Now watch this. So where's life is in him? Look at 1 John 5 and 11. I believe it depicts it. It says... And this is the testimony that God has given us. What? And where does it say that life is? And this life is where? In his son we have life. Outside of his son we fight for it. You know why so many people are fighting not to give up, fighting not to kill themselves, fighting because they're not in him. In him is what? Life is a location. If I get in him, I'm going to live. I'm going to laugh, I'm going to have energy, I'm going to have motivation, I'm going to love, I'm going to smile, I'm going to overcome, I'm going to advance, I'm going to progress, I'm going to break through, I'm going to flourish, I'm going to do everything God has called me to do. Why? Because in him is what? Not just life, How, what type of life? Come on, eternal life. It's life that never runs out. Glory be to God. God does not wait to give us eternal life when we die. That's why most folk ain't got it yet. He gives you eternal life while you're still living in this life. It don't ever stop. But that life is where? So then people look at you and say, man, stop giving up so easy. And then you look, I and mean, people look back, and then that person looks back and, and says, This is easy for you to say. You know, stop thinking that everything is working. That's easy for you to say, right? Why? Because you have somebody who can't live because they're not where? In him. If you're not in him, your problems are killing you. But if you're in him, there's still what? Life. Amen. This is too much for me. This is too bad for me. You don't get it. You don't get life. You don't understand how hard life is. So forth and so on. Well, that's outside of him. Amen. Uh, I love the, the, uh, the passion translation. It says, this is the true testimony that God has given us, what? And this life has its source where? The source of life is where? In him. To be in Christ is to, to be empowered to live in liberty, not fight to live. We must understand that. To be in Christ is to live in liberty. Do I know I'm going to be free tomorrow? You better believe it because of who I'm in. Do you know you're going to be free tomorrow? You better believe it. Now, I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow, but I know I'm going to be free tomorrow. 
I don't know what's going to come tomorrow, but I know I'm going to be free tomorrow. I don't know what, what, what's going to come. It doesn't, in him does not guarantee there's not obstacles. In him doesn't guarantee that there's not mountains. In him doesn't guarantee there's not attacks. But what it does guarantee is I shall live and not, living ain't just surviving. It ain't me just, I didn't just keep breathing through this. I had joy through this. I had peace through this. I had confidence in God through this. I lived. I could laugh through this. Amen? But that's in where? Him. That's in him. So this is what we got to understand about that. Only when we live in liberty can we live purposefully. You know why so many people ain't living for purpose? Because they think their purpose is to get liberty. Until you get liberty, you think that's your purpose, to get free. I just got to get free of this, and then I got to get free of that, and then I got to get free of this. Why? Because I don't have liberty. I can't live purposefully. All, my whole life becomes me getting free from one thing, and then it coming back. Then I got to beat it again. Then something else coming, and I got to get over this. Now I got this to deal with. Now I got to fight through that. I never live in purpose. Until I live in liberty, I cannot live purposefully. I'll never fulfill the purpose of God because I think God's purpose is to help me get free. I'm been, I spend my whole life in and out of jail. I spend my whole life making bail, then going back. Spend my whole life on house arrest, spiritually. Back and forth. Trying to get free, trying to deal with this. I'm trying to work through this. I'm trying to fight through this. And the reason is just a vicious cycle of always, if I can get my emotions free from this, if I can get my mind off of this, if I could just get through this, you are looking at a purposeless person because our purpose was never to spend the rest of our life trying to get free. Does that make sense? In him is what? Life in him is liberty. So I need y'all to understand to the degree we don't live in liberty, we make our purpose about obtaining liberty and therefore never truly live purposefully. I'm trying to equip you to live in purpose. And I don't want you to think that you're an overcomer because you finally got past the stress that wore you out for two years. I thank God you got your breakthrough from stress. Now what you going to do? I thank God you overcame the anxiety attacks. Now, what you going to do? Because that ain't the point. That just puts you in a condition where you can actually start doing the point. Does that make sense? I need somebody to say, I will not spend the rest of my life trying to be free. I am not breathing for that. I am not here for that. Amen? This ain't Monopoly, and I ain't landing on go to jail. You know what I'm saying? I've been playing Monopoly with the kids lately, so it just, I guess that just came out. Glory to God. Amen? So, let me say this much, because we're talking about everybody say in him. Think about and consider this. This is just teaching and equipping. This is equipping work. Listen, this is equipping we don't get in planes to survive, do we? 
We don't get in planes to get free, do we? How many of people you know get in planes to survive? So I don't, how many of you people you know get in planes so they don't lose their mind? How many people you know get in planes so they don't give up? That's not the purpose for getting in a plane. Amen? Glory be to God. And that's not the purpose for getting in Christ neither. No, I get in the plane to accomplish the work of travel. I'm getting in this plane so I can accomplish a work called traveling. Everybody follow what I'm saying? See, I can get to a place in five to ten hours that would take me more than a week if I wasn't in a plane. I'm not getting in that plane so I don't give up. I'm not getting in that plane so I don't throw in the towel. I'm not getting in that plane so I, so I can stay free. Neither are we getting in Christ so we don't throw in the towel, so we don't give up, so we can get free. We're getting in there because it empowers us to accomplish a work we could not accomplish had we not got in him. Amen? So this is what we got to understand because there's a responsibility for me and you to do something beyond what me and you can do. Most people in the church choose to do what they do in the church based off of what they can do. But if I'm in a plane, do I only plan to do what I can do? If I'm in a car, do I only plan to do what I can do? Amen? So in Christ, we can't just plan to do what? What we can do. We got to understand that comes with God making us responsible to do something beyond what we think we can do. If I'm in him, I'm saying I can do something I can't do in my own strength. I can do something that I can't do in my own thinking. I can do something that I can't do in my own um, wisdom. I can do something beyond myself. And we can't forget, you have, me and you have a responsibility to do something beyond us if, we're, if we say we're in him. Now watch this. So this is key. We're in Christ to accomplish a work beyond ourselves, not to survive or get free. We're, it, when we're still in survival and get free mode, we're still trying to make our way into Christ. We are not in him yet. We're not there for that. Amen? We're in Christ to accomplish a work beyond ourselves, not to survive or get free. To be empowered to do things we couldn't do if we weren't in him. Amen. What are some things we're empowered to do that we couldn't do if we weren't in him? Somebody shoot something out there. What are some of the things we can do? Come on. We can lay hands on the sick and they what? Cover. We cannot do that in ourselves, but if we're in him. we Glory be to God. What else can we do? We can cast out devils and oppressive demons out of people. Can we do that outside of him? No. But in him we can. What else can we do in him? Somebody throw something out there. Call those things that be not as though they, as though they already were. Go ahead with the deep one. Yes, Jesus. Amen. We can call those things that be not as though they were. How about this? We can live the entirety of our life without ever walking in depression. Everybody gets depressed sometimes. Well, who are you in? What are some other things we can do? Man, look here. You always got, you, you know you're going to have the minister that has the, the theologically right answer. I can do all things <laughs> through Christ. But you know what's good? 
you can. Glory to God. That's what we got to get. We actually can. Amen. We don't benefit from being in him until we acknowledge what we have access to in him. Which ties back to what Gabriel said, calling those things that be not as though they are. Why is it hard for people to stop sinning? Because you don't know you're in him status. He overcame sin. You're in the one who overcame sin. Why is it so hard for you? Either you're not in him or you don't know how to, to operate what you're in. Can you imagine somebody being in a car and say, I can't go over 25 miles an hour. If you're in a car and you can't go over 25 miles an hour, you don't know how to operate the car you're in. You don't know how to shift gears. I wish I could talk to somebody up in here. You're in Christ. You need to learn how to shift gears. You need to learn how to elevate your righteousness according to who you're in. You don't know how to operate what you're in. Amen? That's important. That's important. In Christ, Yahweh expects us to live a life beyond ourselves. Come on, I need somebody to say, I'm going to live beyond who I am. I'm going to do things my strength can't do. I'm going to figure out things my mind can't figure out. I'm going to accomplish things that in my, with my background I cannot accomplish. And if you can't confess that, then you ain't in him. What was, what's the point of being in him if you can't only do what you can do? Amen? That's another God. The God that we're in, when we're in him, we can do all things. Amen? And we won't operate in it until we're equipped to. Amen? We won't operate it until we're equipped to. Now, now watch this. Uh, anybody have any questions or comments up to this point? Glory to God. Matthew 24, verse 23 and 24. I want to show you this. I think it's pretty powerful because it helps us understand something else about being in him. Matthew 24, verse 23 and 24, New King James Version. It says, this is Jesus talking about the last days, and we're going to tie it into being in him. We're going to tie it into be him, being in him. This uh, New King James Version, Matthew 24, verse 23 and 24, it says, Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ. Everybody say Christ. Or there, do not believe it. Verse 24, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. He says, look, if somebody says the points in this direction and say, that's the Christ, that's the anointing, don't believe them. They point this way and say, look, this is the anointing over here. Understand that that's not true. So Jesus is literally saying, if there's somebody teaching on the anointing, Christos is anointing. If there's somebody teaching on the anointing and they're pointing in a direction if there's a prophet pointing in a direction saying that's the anointing or a teacher teaching in a direction saying that's the anointing, he says, don't believe them. Why? Why are we not to believe them? I want to deal with that, and it ties into being in him. 
You know what it ties? Watch this. This is what we understand. We don't point out the anointing. We were never created to point out the anointing. We put on the anointing. See, if you can't point out, if you can't point to yourself and say this is the anointing, then you can't point out the anointing. It's, see, the anointing is never meant to be somewhere. The anointing is meant to be on man. You shall be clothed in Christ. You shall be endued with power from on high. You shall be immersed in a man. The anointing was never meant to be pointed out. Come and look at my anointed pastor. Come and look at our anointed teachers and our, our, our prayer warriors. It was never meant to be pointed out. It was meant to be personified. We don't point out the anointing. We wear it. Y'all know that scripture, right? The spirit of the Lord thy God is where? Upon me. And the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. Bind the broken. I'm clothed in that. I don't point it out. I personify it. I don't say it's there. I wear it. Amen. That's being in him. So, so watch this. Just to take it. Take it a step um, further. We're not called to point out the anointing. We're called to personify the anointing. We're not called to point out the anointing. We're called to personify the anointing. The spirit of the Lord thy God is upon me. Now follow the conversation. Follow it. Romans 6 and 23. The wages of sin is what? But the gift of God in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. Is what? Eternal life. Everybody say in Christ. All right. Now watch this. There is now therefore no condemnation for them who are what? In Christ. Amen. Everybody say in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I said three of so many scriptures where it says in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Sometimes it says in Christ Jesus, but it says in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. Why is that so important to point out? Because we're talking about the prophetic position called in Christ and what that empowers us to do. This is what I need y'all to walk away with. To be in Christ is to be in anointing. You're not getting the anointing. You're not being touched by the anointing. You're being immersed in it. It's a difference. I felt the anointing. It's a problem if you can't walk away with it. If the only time I feel the anointing is at church, then I ain't in Christ yet. The only time I feel the anointing is I listen to certain songs. I ain't in Christ yet. He immerses us. To be in Christ is to be inside of, immersed in, the anointing. I say the anointing. Somebody shout, I'm in Christ. Are y'all getting what that really means? Is that starting to click to you just a little bit? You're in the anointing. That's what that means. Now, there's several aspects of that that we have to look at. Amen. 
So first and foremost, by the operation of the Holy Spirit, God actually places us in the anointing. We're not just touched by the anointing. If we have gotten where God wants to put us, we're in the anointing right now. Right now, we're not waiting on the anointing to come down. We don't feel the anointing lift. We're not functioning under an Old Testament paradigm where the anointing had to come upon people for them to operate. That's not how we function. And then it lifts. When I'm done preaching, the anointing lifts. When I'm done praying, the anointing, I got to feel the anointing. No, 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 no. We're in Christ. It's a new covenant. So it's not more so about waiting on him, more so than it is me activating what's on me. Amen? And so the anointing isn't intended to simply be an intervention, watch this, but a means of locomotion. We move in the anointing. We don't wait for the anointing, we move in it. It's not an intervention when I get in bondage. It's locomotion. And there's a reason why I'm supposed to move in the anointing. In him, we, I'm, I'm going back to the scripture. In him, we live. In him, we move. It is a means to move in. Amen? It's not when I get in trouble. I need to, I need to be touched by the anointing. Because if you're in it, that changes the game. And I'm going to talk about that. Right? So the anointing, why is that so important? We all know the scripture. We all love it. What does the anointing do? Come on. The anointing always does what? Destroys the yoke. Ain't that beautiful? To be in Christ is to be in what what? I'm hoping this lands on you the right way. To be in Christ. Is to be in what, what? Destroys. You know what that is? That's unstoppable life. There's a reason why the word unstoppable continues to resonate with me. Anybody who's in business knows I always say unstoppable, unstoppable, unstoppable. Because I'm beginning to learn how to live in the liberty of the anointing. I'm beginning to learn how the spirit is not just something that comes when I, when I preach, but I actually live and move. If I'm in business, I'm in him. If I'm at the grocery store, I'm in him. If no matter where I am, the same anointing that I flow in when I preach is the same anointing I go to my son's basketball game with. It changes everything. I don't have to to feel spiritual. But my God, I can not I didn't gotta wait. No, no, no. We don't even have to warm up to go there if we're in it. We don't even have to have. Uh, you gotta get me in the. You ain't gotta get me. I'm in it already. Intercession is automatic. Come on. It, it, the Bible talks about how. Uh, there's a quickening as soon as I knock you answer why why because I have something on the inside of me that's always ready be ye also ready it's I'm in something that I'm always ready we can go up we can do ministry we can pray we can profit it don't matter at any time because I am in him in him we live and in him we what 
It's not, the anointing is not just a means of intervention when I'm in bondage. It's actually a means of locomotion that makes bondage impossible, which makes me and you unstoppable. I'm in what destroys yoke, so how can I ever be under one? To, I'm going to say that again. To be in Christ is to be in what destroys yoke. If God puts me in what destroys yoke, how could I ever be again entangled? Y'all ain't hearing me with the yoke of bondage. That's why the Bible says, be ye not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I am in the one who now destroys the yoke. So I move from being one that needs deliverance in seasons to being an agent through which God can release deliverance. I'm in what destroys yokes. I need somebody to say, I'm in what destroys yokes. In him we live. In him we move. We already dealt with B. My question to an individual who's constantly going back to yokes is, are you in Christ? I know you know how to say in the name of Jesus, but are you in the anointing? God doesn't give us this pity pat, bankrupt salvation where he now says you saved, but you're going to have to hold on for dear life until you die. And so you can go to heaven. He empowers us with the oil of joy. He immerses us in a supernatural divine agent where we can live a life of victory that we could not live if we weren't in who we were in. Life is different. Glory be to God, because we can't be, I, I need somebody to say, I can't be bound. Not in Christ. Come on, I need you to learn how to hold your position. I can't be bound. It ain't a struggle. Not in Christ. I'm not backing. I don't backslide. Not in Christ. I don't fall back. I was, it just got hard and I fell back. Not in Christ. Now, Christ changed. How can I ever be entangled with bondage when I'm always inside of what breaks every bondage? It's impossible. Glory to anybody feel your authority. I just want you to be equipped because I need you to be equipped to work and you can't work sick. When it's time to work and if you're sick, you call in. And the problem is we got too many people calling in because you're not physically sick, but you're mentally sick, you're emotionally sick, you're psychologically sick, you're, you're worried about this, you're hurt about that, you're scared about this, you don't know if you can stop doing that, you don't know if you can, you can't work. Can't work. You begin to come to church to get fixed every week. Fix me again. Work on me again. Step on my toes again. Change me again. And God said, I just want to put you in a once and for all solve. I ain't saying yokes ain't going to still come, but I'm saying yokes ain't going to be able to stay. I ain't telling you bondage still ain't going to attack, but what I'm telling you, they ain't going to be able to stick. I ain't telling you the stuff ain't going to still try to bind you up, but I'm telling you right now, no prison door will be closed. I'll open the anointing declares I can never be shut in again and stuck in a place for the opening of the prison doors. I'm in what keeps prison doors open. Somebody shout, in Christ. 
So I'm going to share this. In him, it's intended to move us from deliverance to being agents of deliverance. You're not in Jesus to stay safe from, you're not in Christ to stay safe from the big bad devil. You're in Christ to put the big bad devil on the run. Glory to God. What happens when people start figuring out who they're in and what they're capable of and start confessing and declaring those things by faith and start doing the business of moving them from logos on a page to experience in our life by faith? What happens? When you, me and you recognize we were created to be immersed in what would ensure we would never be bound again. In him we live. And in him we what? You know what that really saying is? You can't be stuck in him. There's no stuck, it's only move. What are we? We are always on the move. Always. Me and you are always on the move. We never stop moving. Never stop moving. Now watch this. Um, I want to go to this last part. I'm going to share this last part with you. And we're going to close. The question that I want to answer is, see what time it is. We in good time. And the question people ask is, how do we get in him? How do we get in him? Amen. Glory to God. How do we do that? How do we get in him? You know how we do it? Go back to Acts 17. Verse 27 and 28. Watch this. How do we get in him? Stick with me one more minute. Acts 17, verse number 27, says, this is the verse before verse 28, in him we live, move, and have our being. Watch this. says that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far away from any of us. Then it goes on to say, for in him we live, and in him we move and have our being. I'm going to read that again, verse 27. It says that they should seek the Lord. Watch this. If happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far away from them. And if they do that, for in him we live, move, and have our They should seek the Lord if they might feel after him and if they might find him, which directly connects to in him we live, move, and have our being. Now watch this. I want to show you this. So this is what we got to understand about being in him. I already, I already said that verse. I'm sorry. We live life in him by way of pursuing him. 
that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him. For in him we live, move, and have our being. How do we enter into him? We enter into him by pursuing him. Nobody who's not living a life of pursuit to God is actually in God. You can't be in him without pursuing him. He says this again, that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and do what? Find him. And when they do, in him we live, in him we move and have our being. We live life in him by way of pursuing him. We're only as in him as we are pursuing him right now. It's, gotta be, it's a present tense pursuit of God that we live in. Amen? And I'm going to break that down a little bit more because he says to seek after the Lord, to feel after him. We're in him by way of doing what? Pursuing him, to seek after the Lord, to, to, to feel after him. For in him, we what? Live. In him, we move. In him, we have our being. Amen. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us as a people? I don't do a devotional because it's on, uh, on my schedule and get in him. I'm not going to get in him doing a devotional because it's my time for devotional in the morning. I'm not going to get in him because during church service, when it's time for church, amen, I actually attend church. I'm not going to get in him that way. I'm going to have to do what? Feel after him. Watch this. I'm going to feel after him. It go, so consider this. My prayer isn't prayer until I feel it. See, I don't just go through the prayer motions and say I did my hour of prayer. I pray until I feel it. I don't, I don't live by feeling, but if I'm praying, I should feel them. I praise them until I feel them. I read the word until I feel him. I worship him until I feel him. People who come to church and leave church without feeling God have, are not in God. I feel after him, and once I feel him, you best believe I'm in him. For in him we live. Why do I feel after him? I don't feel after him because he's far away. I, the Bible says he's close. You feel after him, not that he's far away from us, but we have to bring our faculties back in because we got so many things pulling on our attention, trying to keep us from him, and we only get into him to the degree we are focused in our pursuit. And so, man, I got to worship him until I feel something. Otherwise, I ain't worship. I got to pray until I, I feel him. Otherwise, I ain't pray. For in him, I guarantee you, if you bless him until you feel him, I bet you that day will be different. In him, there's, a, there's an in him uh, dimension that you're going to live out of. You feel after God. See, religion teaches you just to do the duty of devotion. Read for 30 minutes. Pray for, for, for 15 minutes. Go to church every Sunday and you ain't felt nothing. You ain't nowhere in God. You ain't feel nothing. Amen. 
lifestyle, mindset, distraction. Amen. You can be here and not all of you even be here. Your mind on 20, 100 different things. You can't feel God. You can't enter into him. You got to feel after him. Why does God say that? Because he's not a God of feelings. What it is evidence of is of the fact you brought all of yourself into that moment and said, God, I'm going after you. You ain't got your mind on the dinner and what, what time you got to get up tomorrow and what you're going to watch when you get home and what we're going to do when we leave here. and what you, All that stuff you bring back in. And, and God, know if you feel God, that means you brought all those things back in. And God said, okay, now. In him, in me, you can live, move, and have your being. Amen? There has to be a focus on the things of God. When you're praying, it's got to be about prayer. Come on, when you're seeking him in his word, it's got to be about seeking him in his word. Glory to God. Amen? Amen. I'll show you this last one. If we must feel after him, we're in him to the degree we're into him through pursuing him. It's my last slide. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We must feel after him. We're in him to the degree we're into him through doing what? Pursuing him. Bring everything in. I guarantee you, your prayer life will change if you do it till you feel it. I guarantee your, your word study will change if you do it till you feel it. You've, you've brought, you have now sanctified that time and set it apart for the things of God to a degree that you can now touch him with what you're doing. You're in him. You're in him. You're in them. Anybody have any questions or comments about anything we went over? Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Anybody have anything? I just want to pray over, pray over you all real quick. I want to pray over you. Just concerning, because I know there's an academic aspect to this, but there's also a life-altering opportunity. There's an opportunity for transformation and ministry of Holy Spirit in this, this moment, too. Father, I thank you. And I bless you right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that your power, the power of your word, the power of your testimony the power of your life, the power of in him hits this house like never before. I thank you and I bless you that there is a grace to relocate tonight. Those are people who find themselves outside of you. I thank you that by faith they're making the transition, that there's a translation taking place right now by the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, that there's faith arising, that somebody's encouraged and strengthened tonight to know they can do what they thought they couldn't do because they are in you to know they can walk in a victory 
victory they did not think that they could walk in because they're in you I bless you and thank you right now that you stir up every gift that the enemy has now tried to stifle and silence Lord God by by, by, by the discouragement and the weight of feeling like of feeling overwhelmed but right now in the name of Jesus I testify over this people that in uh, in you we live and in you we move and and in you we have our being that we're in Christ that we're in the anointing that we're in what destroys every yoke we bless you and thank you right now for unstoppable life to begin to hit our experience unstoppable life to begin to hit us on a daily basis that we'll realize where we are is far above every principality power demon and devil temptation and darkness we're seated in a place of authority influence and victory God we give you the glory we give you the honor and we give you the praise for it right now that it is so in the name of Jesus all of God's people said amen come on somebody shout we're in him come on We're in him. Listen, we got two things to do very, very quickly. We got a quiz to take. And then once you finish your quiz, you will take the homework.